Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. So I don't kill you guys, sorry. Man, Dr. James, thank you, man. Really, you guys should all go and talk to him because we've sat down over lunch a handful of times and just talked about health and its connection to the kingdom. And you guys got to meet him and you should go to his event because I know it's going to be amazing. I'm so sorry that my voice sounds like this. Um, all I've been doing for the last three weeks is preaching and then last week riding roller coasters. So uh, I should have been I should have been a little bit more wise about every time a. Um, you know, I rode a roller coaster not to scream my head off, but come on, man. I'm at Walt Disney World. I mean, you know, what What else is it to do? You have to scream like a kid when you go to Disney World. I wish I had this. I, there's a picture. It's somewhere on my phone. I don't have it, but I wish I had it. It's like, it's, you know, yeah, I should show you guys. It's so funny. I'm t- totally not posting it on social media, so sorry about that. Because uh, it's way too embarrassing. But you know how when you're riding those roller coasters and like they take those pictures of you when you don't know? Well, I've been to Disney so many times because my family and I used to live there. Uh, we used to live in Orlando, not Disney. Yeah. Um, in Orlando, not Disney World. Um, wouldn't that be awesome though? That'd be amazing to live at Disney World. Uh, so I know where all those cameras are. All right. So I love to make funny faces every time you go buy one of those cameras. And uh, I just got the best capture ever. Uh, and I look ridiculous. I have to send it to you guys. Yeah, Michael, you're going to love it. Um, and you know how you see like somebody doing something really stupid, but it's small in the picture. And then they just take four frames to zoom in on their head and it just gets funnier every frame. I got one of those pictures. I'm going to bring it to you guys. I got to show it to you next week because I know it's going to be funny. But uh, yeah, we had, we had a blast. And uh, tomorrow, actually, we're going to be at the School of Supernatural Life at uh, Grace Center. Uh, with Jesse. Jesse's at School of Supernatural Life. And then uh, we're going to be at Emanate tomorrow night. So for those of you guys who go to Emanate or want to go to Emanate uh, and hang with us, come out tomorrow at 730. Is that right, Jesse? Is it at 7? 7 o'clock. Used to be 730. 7 o'clock now. So uh, at Grace Center in Franklin, if you'd like to come out and be there. Then we'll be at the, the school for the next two days, preaching and teaching on missions and uh, and just chatting to a whole bunch of students, man. So I'm excited about what God's been up to. I'm excited about what he's going to do this week. I'm excited about what he's going to do tonight because it really seems like there's this thread that's running through this entire service, you guys. It really, honestly, from the very first moment that we started, some of the conversations I've had to what Jesse and Michael were singing to the word that Josh gave with the offering. Did anybody else realize that? There's like this thread that's like, it's like running through and it's, it's about the faithfulness of God. It's about the promises of God over your life. And it's about God giving you grace to sustain you in the midst of your waiting. And there's something about the goodness of God. I feel that we're all gonna receive a revelation concerning tonight that's gonna press us into that new season that Jesse was singing about, that Dr. James is preaching about. I'm gonna call it preaching, bro, because you gave us a word, man. That wasn't just an announcement. That was a word. And I really do think it is about the faithfulness of God. I do think it is about breakthrough. And um, for me personally, I don't know about you guys, but I've been thinking about that subject quite a bit. Um, you know, in the midst of thinking about it, I have recognized two things 
in my life just recently. One thing is something that I really, really love. And the other thing is something that I really, really loathe. All right, it's two things I've recognized as of late. The first thing, the thing that I love is promises fulfilled. What about you guys? I mean, I love when life just lines up, things click, what you've been waiting on, that breakthrough that you know you've been praying for, it happens. I personally love that. I love transformation. I love when I change for the better. Anybody else in here? I love when I stop struggling with that junk that I've been struggling with for far too long. Can I get a good amen, right? I love that. But I've also realized something that I loathe. And I loathe process. Just to be real with you guys, I don't like process. I hate the time and the work required to get to the place of transformation. I absolutely loathe that. In fact, I despise that. I feel like I'm allergic to that. I just don't like it. It takes way too long, always takes longer than you think it's gonna take, and it requires way too much work, especially on a heart level, right? Especially on an internal level. You're like, man, I've gotta go to a dark place to get that healing. No thanks, right? It's like, I love promises fulfilled. I love transformation. I love breakthrough. But man, I loathe waiting for it. I loathe what is required to get there. And that's something that I've recognized about myself recently in the midst of looking on the inside in prayer, some of it in conversation and some of it in some spiritual counseling. How many of you guys know it's, it's a good idea, no matter how long you've been serving Jesus, to talk to people who are smarter than you, more anointed than you, and say, man, call me out on my junk because I wanna keep growing in Christ, amen? It's good to have people like that in your life. And I recently had a conversation like that and I'm just like, wow, there are some places in me that I really need some transformation on. And maybe I've recognized that a little bit for a while, but now I'm recognizing it a lot because I'm seeing who God has called me to become. I'm seeing this greatness that God has called me to. I'm reminded of the prophetic words that people have declared over my life. But then I'm looking here and I'm like, wow, that's pretty yucky. Dude, I did not know that that stuff was in there. I did not realize that I needed to go such a distance to get to who God has called me to become. Am I preaching to anybody in here, right? And you're like, man, that's awesome, God. I know you've called me to greatness. I come in here and I sing out songs for, you know, an hour and 10 minutes. And I'm like, I'm a child of God. But then I leave and on Monday and on Tuesday, and I just don't feel like a child, man. I don't really feel protected. And in fact, I don't feel like I'm behaving like a child of the kingdom. I actually feel like I'm behaving like somebody I'm totally not. You guys know what I'm talking about in here. It's like, I've been, I've been seeing that and I'm like, God, how do I get from where I am in the midst of my junk, recognizing the things of in, that are in my life that need to change to where you've called me to? How do I step out with patience to step towards the promise in my life, but also have the grace to, 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 to go through the process? You know, that, that's, that's actually what I feel like that, I've been struggling with, and I feel like that's something that we could all say, man, the struggle is real, right? 
Struggle is real. Like God has totally called me to greatness, but I'm also in this place that doesn't feel great all the time. So how do I get from, you know, this prophetic word? How do I get from this promise through the process to the palace, the inheritance, the breakthrough, the transformation that I love so much? And that, that's what I wanna talk to you guys about tonight. I wanna encourage you guys to take patience, okay? That's the title of the message, Take Patience. So how do we have patience? Well, first things first, who in here likes to wait? Nobody, right? Waiting stinks. I mean, everybody in, we, we all know in here, it's like, and, and you know, once more, James mentioned it. Like, McDonald's is not the best thing for you. But we all still eat it. You're not everybody, James. I don't eat it. Just kidding. I had a few days ago. <laughs> Told him myself. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, you, we got road trips, bro, you know. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. Sorry, Sarah. Yeah, what's... Yeah, right. Right? Right. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. We, we all know it's bad for us, but here's, here's what it does not require. It does not require waiting, and it does not require working. Therefore, we eat it. Right? Why? Because we don't like to wait. Nobody likes to wait. Like, as a people, as a culture, as a nation, as a Western world, we don't really have that much patience. Have you guys ever realized that before? However we can get it quick, let's just make that happen. But here's the deal, guys. We must want to become patient as much as we want to inherit our promises because you cannot have one without the other. We must want to become patient just as passionately as we want to see our promises fulfilled because you can't have one without the other. Patience is gonna be required. So as we walk this journey towards promises fulfilled, I wanna encourage you guys to take patience, all right? Take patience. Now, we do know that God uh, feels pretty strongly about patience. How many of you guys know that God is patient? Thank you, Jesus, that he was patient with you, that he was patient with me, that he was patient with us. Right, Even when we were enemies of his, even when we were sinners and separated from him, Jesus still had patience for our mistakes and for our sin. He has patience for us every single, every single day, even now. And we also know that God declares that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Right, That's probably the first thing we think about when we think about patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And that means that wherever the Spirit is, there is patience. Wherever God is, wherever the Holy Spirit is, wherever Jesus is, patience is available there, right? So let's read uh, Galatians 5, 22, 23, the fruits of the Spirit, right? We've, we all, you know, got so many like Sunday school lessons on this, but I just wanna read it real quick for a reminder because wherever the Spirit is, these things are, all right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Everybody say patience with me. Patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Man, that's a good word, right? God is the person of patience. 
So if we want to be people of patience, we are going to have to walk closely connected to the person of patience. If you want to become a person of patience, you're gonna have to walk your journey out hand in hand with the person of patience. That's the way it goes. So let's think of a story, if we will, that highlights patience in the Bible. For me, when I think about patience, I cannot help but to think about the story of Joseph. How many of you guys like the story of Joseph? The story of Joseph, man, it's like one of those, what should I call it? I don't know, like, you guys remember VH1, like behind the music? You guys remember that? Yeah. Or what was that, what was that MTV, like uh, the real life or I don't know. It was like they'd track a celebrity for a while. Like, I feel like everybody remembers Joseph for the days of his celebrity, right? When he was ruling in Egypt, sitting at the right hand of the Pharaoh, like making stuff happen, taking care of Israel. Like, we remember him for all that big breakthrough. But when you read through the story of Joseph, you actually get a behind-the-scenes look at what it took for him to get to that place of royalty, to get to that place of leadership and favor. And so I wanna start by looking at, you know, the very beginning, if you will, of his story, of his journey in Genesis chapter 37, verse five. It says, once Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Anybody know what that's like? You know, you have people around you, maybe they're even your own family. You're dreaming big. You're talking about the promises of God over your life. You're talking about the great things that you're gonna do. And it just seems like the more you dream, the more people hate on you. You guys know what I'm talking about? So that's, that's kind of the way it was for Joseph. He's like a lot of us. He's a big, big dreamer. He always felt this calling of greatness over his life. And for as long as he could remember, he really wanted to do something big for God. But it was the dreams of his greatness, the dreams that he knew that he was promised, that turned his brothers against him. They hated him. But even though people hated him, even though his siblings couldn't stand him, there was still this undeniable favor on this young man's life. There's still this undeniable grace on Joseph's life. The next part of his story is, his brothers hate him so much that they see him coming in his, you know, his, his, his coat of favor that his father has given him. And they pick him up and then they, they hurl him into a pit. You guys remember this, right? They see him, he's just a young guy. You know, he's, he's a kid, he can't defend himself against his older brothers. They pick him up and they throw him in a pit. And they're like, we're, we're gonna tell, you know, we're gonna tell dad that, that, that he was killed. But then all of a sudden they see some traitors coming by. You know, some people are, are trading goods and all that. And they get him up out of the pit and they literally, they traffic him. They sell him into slavery. Like Joseph becomes a victim at a young age of human trafficking. You guys ever realize that about his story? Joseph gets trafficked, man. It's a crazy story. Little boy, just, you know, think of the heartbreak. Think of the anguish. Think of the pain. Think of what that was like for him. Think of his experience. He's just leaving to go do what his dad asked him to do. He routinely left his parents' house thinking, I'll be back in the next 24 hours. And the next thing that he knows, he's thrown into a pit by his own brothers, picked out. Probably just imagine the look on his face. Can you imagine the pain and the anguish that he was suffering? The tears, his face being red, just, 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 just lost, not knowing what's gonna happen. And here's the people who he's grown up with, the people who are supposed to love him, the people who are supposed to have his back, the people who are supposed to you know, be for him when everybody else is against him. 
And they treat him brutally and aggressively and they sell him for 20 pieces of silver to some traders. He's thrown over the top of a camel, tied down and then taken to a country he knows nothing about. Can you imagine? That is Joseph's story, this dreamer. Some of you guys in here feel like that right now, you know? This dreamer, this guy who's dreaming greatness, favor, you know, big things with God. And then here he is, sold into slavery, trafficked, and then sent away. The The next time that we see Joseph's story, he ends up in the house of this guy named Potiphar, and this guy's a pretty powerful dude. And, you know, Joseph is getting older now, perhaps, you know, his life with his family and, and with his brothers and, you know, just the goodness of home and being around his mother. You know, now that's a distant memory. He, he's, he's, he's a young adult now. He's a good-looking guy. He's strong. You know, he's smart. This undeniable favor is still resting on his life. But then he runs into, you know, another huge obstacle, Potiphar's wife, his boss's wife, seduces him every single day. Now, you know, we read this in the story. We're like, oh, you know, Joseph is so holy. Joseph at this time is like a young adult male with hormones raging, just like the rest of you in here, okay? Or the rest of us or all of us or whatever as young people, right? But Joseph makes takes a stand. He says, no, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna sleep with this woman who's seducing me every single day, right? Can you imagine how hard that was for him? You know, he's just so, maybe he's like feeling a tendency to be bitter and angry. And there's this guy who tells him what to do every day and is not always nice to him. And you know, it's his boss, he's a slave. He could have thought, man, I'm gonna get back at this dude. His wife, you know, is offering herself to me. I'm gonna take her. I'm gonna do this because he deserves it. I mean, I'm his slave after all. Like he owns another human being. I should do this. This is, this is payback. This is what he deserves. Right? You ever think about that part of the story? And obviously we know that, that, that Joseph has this undeniable favor that Potiphar sees that. And even whenever, you know, Potiphar's wife sort of, you know, uh, you know tricks uh, her husband into believing that Joseph was trying to abuse her, Potiphar gets angry and throws him into prison. So here's the next part of Joseph's story. Trafficked, seduced, and then here we find him in like one of the worst places ever, an ancient prison. And I don't think I have to tell you guys, that was probably not not a nice place to be. Dark, damp, murky, locked up, with the outcasts of society, murderers, rapists, some of the worst people that you might imagine, he's down there locked up. But once more, Joseph has this undeniable favor that's resting upon his life. Trafficked, sold into slavery, seduced daily, imprisoned, forgotten about, still has the favor. And yet, when you look at this story, when you look at this portion of his story, you have to think, but where is his greatness? But where is that promise? You had that dream. You knew that you were supposed to do something awesome with God. What's happening now, Joseph? Like, yeah, I can recognize the fact that you got a little bit of favor, but what's, you know, what's really good? What's up? What's happening in your world? So we, we know the rest of Joseph's story. I'm not gonna read it all to you guys, but you know that there finally came a moment whenever the Pharaoh, he had a dream and no one could interpret it. I mean, he, he tried all of his, you know, wise men, all of his mystics, everybody who did, you know, witchcraft. 
And after being forgotten for two years by the cupbearer of the Pharaoh, Joseph was brought in. And Joseph interpreted the dream. He interpreted the dream so perfectly, in fact, that he not only gave revelation, but he also consulted Pharaoh practically and gave him wisdom and strategy as well for how to respond to the dream and save the entire nation of Egypt. Now, that's, that's pretty wild, right? It seems as though Joseph has become Egypt's next Egyptian idol, right? He has become the overnight success. You know, it only took him 30 years to become an overnight success. See, that's the deal with overnight successes. We don't ever think about that part, right? So Joseph was 30 years to becoming an overnight success. He's now stepped onto the scene. He's interpreted this dream for the king. And then in Genesis 42 and 6, it says, now Joseph was the governor over the land. He's all of a sudden now become a governor. And it was, it was he who sold to all the people of the land and Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. You guys know this part of the story. I'm skipping around a lot, but I know you guys know it. So that's why I'm doing that. So Joseph finally sees his brothers again. Can you imagine this moment for Joseph in his life? He's around 30 years old. You know, he's been lifted up. He now has favor. He's cleaned up. This was the same people that he looked at with tears in his eyes from the bottom of the pit that picked him up and sold him, trafficked him, sold him as a slave. And here he is providing food now to the same, same brothers. He sees his brothers again. This was the moment that he had dreamed about as a child. This was the moment in which his promises were fulfilled. This is the moment in which transformation took place. This is the moment when breakthrough finally happened. This was the moment that he had been waiting on so that, so that he could see this happen. And that's whenever Joseph declares to his brothers who he really is. That creates a cascade of redemption. His father Jacob is brought to him and the whole family is allowed to settle in the best part of Egypt, which is Goshen. And they go from starvation to plenty. They go from a family feud to a family that's united by forgiveness. It's a pretty amazing story, wouldn't you guys say? I mean, when you think about Joseph's life, it's pretty wild. What happened to him? But I will venture to say that all of this was made possible because of Joseph's choice to be patient. Even when his life looked like the opposite of what he knew he was called to be, he remained patient and he trusted God. Think about this. If Joseph would have not been patient concerning his promise, then Egypt would have starved to death. Could it be that patience actually fed a nation? Patience is a big deal. And so I think that the story of Joseph can actually remind every single person in here that we can all afford to be patient. Even when nothing in your life looks like what God has called you to do, even when nothing in your life looks like the dream that you feel that God has called you to accomplish, even when nothing in your life looks great, you can afford to be patient. Even when you're struggling and you don't feel like the person that you know you're supposed to be, even then you can afford to be patient. Amen? Amen. So how do we grow in patience? I think that's really the big question. Talking about it, we see it in the life of Joseph. We can examine that a little bit more. But how do we produce the fruit of patience? We said it is, you know, we said it's a fruit of the Spirit, but how do we become patient? Because I don't know about you guys in here, I think we've all established that none of us are really that strong in this area, 
right? None of us like, like waiting. None of us love patience. So how do we grow in it? So here's the one point to my message tonight of how we grow in patience. To produce the fruit of patience, you must be connected to the root of patience. If you're gonna become a person of patience, you have to be connected to the person of patience, all right? And that's, that's what I wanna submit to you guys that happened in the life of Joseph. No matter where he was, whether he was in the pit when he was trafficked, whether he was in Potiphar's house being seduced, whether he was in prison being forgotten about by society, I think that we see throughout the entire journey of his life that there is this consistent thread of patience and there is this consistent thread of connection. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And as long as Joseph stayed connected to Yahweh, as long as Joseph stayed connected to God, then patience would always be present in his life. And because Joseph was patient, we have proof that Joseph was connected. No matter what happened, from the time he was a child to the time he was in prison, I think we can safely say that despite his circumstance, Joseph stayed connected to God. And that's why he stayed patient in his life. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. As long as Joseph stayed connected, he would produce the fruit of patience. So, Joseph stayed patient when he stayed connected. When you're connected to God, you produce the fruit of patience. One of the things a lot of people say about the fruit of the Spirit is, man, fruit just happens. You know, like when you're in intimacy with God, fruit just happens. And you know what? That's true. But the only place that I can find that fruit just happens organically is in perfect environments. And I don't know about you guys, but perfect environments are pretty hard to come by in my life. No distractions, no problems. You know, the fruit of the Spirit just happens naturally because, you know, I'm in a perfect environment. I have the perfect amount of sunlight. I have the perfect weather. There's never any storms. There's never any disasters. Nobody ever messes with me. Nobody ever, you know, tries to, tries to destroy the work that God's doing in my life. It just, fruit just happens, man, because I just live in a perfect world. How's that for you guys? How's that working out for you, right? Fruit of the Spirit, just so natural in my life, so good, right? Said no one ever, right? Why? Because, because although fruit, yeah, it grows, it blossoms, it happens, fruit just happens, yeah, it does, but it, it doesn't happen without cultivation. And that's what any, you know, I'm sure, I don't know any fruit farmers, but I'm sure that that's what they'll tell you. That, yeah, you know what? Fruit happens. There's some magic that happens in the ground. You know, God does the work. But I have to cultivate it. I have to cultivate the vine. I have to cultivate the fruit. Fruit must be cultivated. So when Joseph was hurled into the pit by his brothers, let's just say that conditions were far from perfect in order for the fruit of patience to happen organically. Would you guys agree? When Joseph was being trafficked, I think it's fair to say that the fruit of patience, it was pretty hard to come by. Joseph had to be intentional about the cultivation of his connection and, you know, and the fruit of patience happening. Here's what, here's what I, I think that we can say safely. Despite the conditions for patience uh, being imperfect in that moment, God still wanted a connection with his son, Joseph. God still wanted a connection with Joseph despite his circumstance. And so Joseph was able to cultivate that fruit of patience by choosing to stay connected to God. Joseph was sold out by the very people that were supposed to love him the most. 
And maybe that's your story. For some of you guys in here, maybe that's your story. Maybe the people that were supposed to have your back have been the very ones that have turned their back on you. But just like Joseph when he was in the pit, can I say to you emphatically tonight that God still wants a connection with you. Despite your circumstance, despite your family turning their back on you, despite your siblings, you know, pushing you out, despite your best friends, you know, coming against you when just a moment was inconvenient for them to stay connected to you, God still wants to be connected to you. And so you can actually choose to be a person of patience by choosing connection with the person of patience. To produce the fruit of patience, you must be connected to the root of patience. So fruit happens, right? But rarely do we have perfect environments for it to happen without work. Fruit might be hard to cultivate, but here's the other thing about fruit. You can eat it. It sustains you. It nourishes you. And I believe that patience is actually the nourishing fruit. Patience is actually what sustains us from receiving the promise so that we can walk our, our, the thing out in our process to get to the palace. We have to have something to sustain us in the meantime, right? So I wanna submit to you guys that it's patience that nourishes us. It's the fruit of patience that we're sustained by. We don't know really what Potiphar's wife looked like, all right? But let's just assume for a minute that she was smoking hot. Let's just assume that, okay? Let's just assume she was a straight up dime piece, all right? But she's a 10. That's what that means. She's a 10. <laughs> she's like you, sweetheart. She's a 10. Let, let's just assume that, okay? For the sake of the story, let's assume she was hot. And, I mean, she's, she's coming after Joseph, man. So every day, man, you know, they're living in the ancient world. It's Egypt. It's, it's, it's like dusty. But she's, every day, she's... Cleaning up, she's putting a perfume on. You know, you see those pictures of Egyptian. She's got the eyeliner heavy, right? And and every single time Joseph is in that moment of weakness. You know, he's coming in doing all this work for Potiphar. He's tired. He's hungry. He's just trying to get some some rest, some relaxation. And then here steps this woman. He's like, "Come on, sleep with me," right? Come on, let's go. Potiphar's not gonna be here for another couple hours. Come on, we got plenty of time. Let's make this happen. Hello? <laughs> Chances are, I mean, she would have never even tried to blackmail him. After all, he had no money. He had no power. He had no privilege. He was nothing more than a simple slave. She had nothing to gain by blackmailing him or turning him over to Potiphar. And here he was day in and day out, being nourished by the fruit of patience because he chose to stay connected to God. He knew that God wanted a connection with him. He chose that connection with God and here he is sustaining himself. Here he is nourishing himself. Here he is remaining patient, remembering all the while that there is a dream that God has spoken to me that I am to walk out. And that gave him the grace, that gave him the strength to say, no thanks, lady, Uh-uh. <laughs> That's what Isaiah does, my son. Noing, 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 noing. That's what he does. 
<laughs> so, no thanks, right? That, that, I mean, that's the way I read it, okay? That's the way I read it. Joseph stayed patience. Here's the thing about patience, guys. Patience is not just your ability to wait. It's how you behave while you're waiting. That's the thing about patience. Hey. Yeah, it is a total dad thing, right? Let's just read that again. Patience is not just your ability to wait. It's how you behave while you're waiting. In the midst of Joseph's waiting, he protected his purity. In the midst of Joseph waiting, he kept intact his integrity. Come on, guys, think about that for a minute. You know how difficult that is when you get tired of waiting on that promise and you throw in the towel, you say, I'm sick of waiting on God. You spoke to me about all this amazing stuff is not happening. So the first thing I'm gonna do is violate my purity. The first thing I'm gonna do is bail on my integrity because I'm getting sick of waiting. I see that as a common thread in our generation. It's like, I, God spoke to me about something. Man, it's taking too long. I'm out. And then they say something like, man, I just outgrew church. You didn't outgrow church. You're just too impatient. Seriously, I don't wanna be around anybody that reminds me that I need to be patient and wait on the promises of God to be fulfilled in my life. Therefore, I'm just too smart to hang out with y'all. I'm gonna go do something else. Violate my integrity. I'm gonna violate my, I'm gonna compromise on my purity. Because I agree with that stuff, man. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. No big deal. No, we, that's, where, that's where the sustaining fruit of patience takes place. It's when even in the midst of seduction that we choose to remain connected with the one that wants to be connected to us. And we say, nope, patience is not just my ability to wait. It's how I behave while I'm waiting. And I'm gonna be sustained while I eat this fruit, this fruit of the spirit that's happening in my life because I'm choosing to cultivate it and I'm feasting on it and it's giving me energy and sustaining grace to behave the way I know God has called me to be while I'm waiting for the promise to happen in my life. And for some of you guys in here, maybe that's your story. Just like Joseph was tempted to compromise his integrity. Perhaps some of you guys in here have been walking through temptation like never before. Maybe, you know, you've messed up and you've compromised your purity. But here's the thing. God still wants a connection with you. Even in the midst of Joseph being seduced every day, God still wanted a connection with them. And even in the midst of you walking through whatever you're walking through in this season, compromise, whatever, God still wants a connection with you. And that means you can choose to receive right now the grace, the patience, the fruit. You can be sustained by it. You can become a person of patience by choosing to be connected to the person of patience. To produce the fruit of patience, you must be connected to the root of patience. All right, here's sort of the last part of Joseph's story I want to hit. I, I know what time it is. So despite being trafficked, despite being tempted by his boss's wife, he finally, end up, he finally ended up in the most imperfect condition for fruit to grow. Underground. I don't know about you guys, but it's probably pretty difficult to grow things underground. That's just what I'm thinking. Right? Dark, stale. It's probably smelled like armpits down there. Just think all the prisoners. No showers. It's probably terrible. 
I can only imagine. I've been in jail in America before, before I got saved. That was bad enough. I can only imagine what this was like for Joseph. He was forcibly placed in a completely controlled environment. It is the worst, most impossible place to, con- to cultivate any fruit. And yet being locked up and you know, fed terrible meals in a smelly dungeon, God still wanted a connection with them. God still desired connection with them. God still said, that's my boy right there. That's the one I gave that dream to when he was a kid. Man, it's broken my heart to see what's happened to him. But I still want a connection with him. I still want to be with him. My spirit is still with him. And Joseph chose to cultivate the fruit of patience by choosing to stay connected to God. So let's just imagine him for a moment huddled in the dark corner of his prison cell. This is his daily routine. Every day, huddling himself there. It's cold. It's damp. What's he doing? He's praying. He's choosing connection with God. He's choosing to cultivate patience. He's being sustained by the fruit of patience. And there he is, by himself, societal outcast, forgotten about by everybody. His parents think he's dead. There he is, lifting his hands in worship. God, I know you want a connection with me. And I choose to be connected to you. I choose you, God. Despite my circumstance, I choose patience. Despite what my life looks like right now, I choose patience. I remember that one time you gave me that dream. And I don't know when that's gonna happen, God, but I choose patience. And right there in the midst of his prayer, I mean, you know, he's zoned out, like he's just in prayer. And then all of a sudden it's like, there's this knock that happens at it, this rusty prison gate. And maybe they don't even know his name, despite him having favor in there. Maybe they call him out by his prisoner number. And they say, hey, come out, come out. We need you. Can you imagine what that moment was like for Joseph? He had no clue what they needed him for. For all he knew, they could have taken him to behead him. He might have just ticked off the wrong warden. And yet he gets up with patience. He gets up with trust. And he gets up in connection. And they say, hey, shave. Here's a new outfit. You're about to go before Pharaoh. He didn't have any time to prepare for that. He didn't have, you know, eight hours to get his stuff straight. He didn't have 30 days to go on a fast. Joseph was brought into a suddenly moment of breakthrough, of promises fulfilled, of transformation, of everything that he had dreamed about. Boom! It happened like that when he least expected it. In his worst case scenario, underground where no fruit could grow. You guys, I think some of you guys are a lot closer to the breakthrough than you think that you are. Despite the fact that it looks like you're in a prison cell, huddled over in a corner somewhere, trying your best to stay connected to God. There's a knock that's coming at your door soon. And Joseph gets up and he walks out. And he has a favor that he's had all along. But he has something else too. He's got patience. And the patience 
has what, has what given him the sustaining grace to be connected with God. And because of his intimacy with God, he carries the wisdom of God. And because he has the wisdom of God, he has revelation and authority and a practical consultation with the king of Egypt, which was arguably the most powerful nation in the world at the time. Joseph was so connected to God that he knew what the president was dreaming about. And he steps out onto the stage of his moment, onto the stage of his dreams fulfilled in his suddenly breakthrough moment. And he says, I'll tell you what the king has been dreaming about. Here's the dream, and here's the application, and here's the wisdom, and here's the revelation, here's the consultation, here's the tools, tricks, and tips of how you're going to survive this. Boom. He is elevated, lifted up, put in clean clothes. He's given jewelry. And he's elevated to a place of favor. Are you serious? This suddenly moment of breakthrough and his promise. Sorry, kids. <laughs> you know, here, here's what I want to say. It's just kind of the last thing I want to say. If somebody would like, uh, Brian, if you want to come help me, man, it'd be great. It was patience that continued to push Joseph into a place of prayer in the midst of his darkest moments. Time in, time and time again, it was patience that pushed him into that place. It produced wisdom and strategy in his life. And that allowed him the immense favor of his brightest moments, which we remember him for. We don't always remember, I mean, we, rem, we know the story of Joseph theoretically, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember that story. But, you know, we remember how he interpreted the dream. We remember his brightest moments. We remember his breakthrough. We remember his promises fulfilled. And that's the thing, man. People remember us mostly for our breakthroughs. But God remembers us for our patience in prayer. God saw the whole journey, saw the behind the scenes. And even when Joseph was tempted to give up just because it had been too long, God was just taking forever. He was locked behind a prison gate and somebody had thrown away the key. No privileges. He continued. And you know, maybe, guys, that's your story. Maybe that for some of you guys in here, you're, you're, you're ex-convict. Maybe you were just in jail a few months ago. Maybe you just got out of drug rehab. Maybe you are you're seen as an outcast of society, somebody that's not even worth loving or remembering, somebody that's just locked away. I wanna say to you guys, God still wants a connection with you. And you can choose to be a person of patience by choosing connection with the person of patience. You know, we, we actually could be, we're on a journey individually and we're on a journey together. You guys all know that. And I know that we have some promises together as a community and some promises individually. And the journey to get to that place, guys, it might be long. It may take a while. But just like Joseph, we're gonna be brought into our moment of suddenly. We're gonna be brought into our moment of promise. I wanna remind you guys of that. And I also wanna say your moment of promise could be tomorrow. Your moment of coming out of that sale could be tonight, could be this week, could be next month. We don't know what it is, 
but we do know the person that gives us the sustaining grace of patience to be where we are, to wait on God and to behave like the person God has called us to be. So let's stand. We're gonna pray and close. I just want to declare over you tonight that you're a patient person. You know the thing about patient people is there's nothing that they can't do. There is literally nothing that a patient person can't do because they'll just outweigh you. It will just eventually happen for them. So as we pray tonight, we wanna to pray patience uh, over us and then, and then we'll dismiss. Sorry for keeping you guys a little bit late, but hey, you know, we had a blast there in worship, so it is what it is, right? I remember hearing someone say one, one time, like you know, in the Old Testament, they used to burn up like bulls as, um, as worship before the Lord. So whenever people come in here and they're like, why do you guys worship so stinking long? I'm like, it takes a while to burn up a bull. <laughs> Give us some time. <laughs> right? All of my bull crap, right? <laughs> Needs to get burnt up Amen. before the Lord. I need some transformation. I believe I'm a part of a community of people that's hungry to see the real Jesus to touch heaven, to advance the kingdom, to be commissioned for history to be different because they are alive, to not just go through this life existing as some anointed bench warmer, knowing that they've been redeemed, but never doing about the blood of Jesus that's been smeared upon their lives. I believe I'm talking to a room of anointed world changers, history makers, people who are gonna flip the city of Nashville and the nations upside down and inside out because of the promises of God that is on their lives. And Lord, right now, I just call back to memory every single promise or the promises that you just simply wanna remind them of right now. And as that promise that God has spoken over your life surfaces right now, I want you to know that despite your current circumstance, God still passionately wants a connection with you. And because of that, all you have to do is just reach out and take him by the hand and you will receive patience to wait his way for that promise because it's happened, it's happening. And your moment of suddenly is coming I declare that over your life. I declare faithfulness over your life. I declare patience over your life. I declare that the fruit of patience will manifest in your life consistently and successfully in your life, in your internal world, in your families, in your relationships, on your jobs, and in every area of your life. I declare patience is gonna radiate throughout your life this week and that other people are gonna be awakened to patience, to the ability to wait. Thank you, God, for these promises. In Jesus' name. So with your hand on your heart, 
just want to declare these closing declarations over you guys and send you out. Please be reminded of house church. Come out to that. We'd love to see you worship with you house to house. We just want to bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Hug somebody, shake their hand, bless them with peace. We're gonna have a ministry team up here with badges. If you're part of the ministry team, come up. We'd love to pray for you. Go see Dr. James over here in the hallway. Check out his table. Meet with him, connect with him. Go to his event. He's amazing. God bless you guys big. We love you. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.